So if I had to title our talk today, I would title it, You Are Not the Exception. You Are Not the Exception. Erwin Lutzer, great Christian mind. The brother has written a lot of just uh, critical materials over the last years uh, to help Christians in their daily walk. Lutzer said this, opportunity knocks only once, but temptation seems to lean on the doorbell. You ever find that to be true in your life? An opportunity comes your way only once. And it's like, man, I missed a great opportunity. But temptation seems to lean on the doorbell. So here's a premise truth that we've established over the last weeks. We all, we all battle temptation. We all battle temptation. When I lived in Indiana, I had a secretary at UPI, Unlimited Potential, the ministry I was formerly with, and she was free Methodist. And part of the free Methodist uh, theology was you could reach a place of almost being perfect, meaning, oh, hey, my, my tassel's turned, I'm not going to sin any longer. I couldn't buy into that theology because it's not true, because all of us, all of us are going to be tempted on any given day. Now, that being said, April 14th, 1912, again, one of my favorite stories, illustrating-wise, would be this. April 14th, 1912, the ship that God couldn't sink went down. When the great Titanic left the shores of Europe heading toward the U.S., it had been billed as this great, great vessel that would not go down. As they began to sail the waters of the Atlantic, the wireless operators received countless warning signs that imminent danger and icebergs were ahead. The wireless operators had concluded that the great Titanic was so strong and so mighty that it couldn't go down. And so Captain Edward Smith, who was at the, at the hell of, of, of the maiden voyage of the Titanic, he never received those warning signs because the wireless operators had refused to take them to him. They had concluded, he don't need to hear it. We're bigger. We're stronger. We're not going down. And so what they did is they refused to heed the warning signs of imminent danger. Let me give you some warning signs of potential imminent danger when it comes to uh, maybe where you're at today. There's people in this room that have battled addictions, have battled uh, major struggles and bondage. Do you have a certain destructive habit that you love? Do you think about this habit constantly? Do you feel the need to hide this habit? Do you run to this habit to cope with stress and problems? Do you find it hard to imagine your life without this habit? Do you plan your life around this habit? Have you ever tried to quit it and failed repeatedly? Are you constantly wasting time and money on this habit? Have friends and family complained about this habit? Does this habit isolate you from meaningful relationships? Has the habit stopped being fun? Do you have a desire to break free of the control that this habit or bondage area has on your life? Well, let me share with you why I read this. Warning signs. It can be sexual, pornea, it can be alcohol, 
It can be drugs. Listen, listen, listen. It can be food. Food is one of the greatest narcotics that people use to medicate and sedate even their pain. So when I start to read through this, it was funny talking to my one friend the other day. He goes, this is going to sound weird, but I think about sugar all the time. You think about sugar. (laughs) Yeah, brownies. Yeah, cookies. And it's funny. I know a lady that drinks about 12 Diet Cokes every day. We were talking to her recently, and she said, I had two Diet Cokes before I saw you at 8.30 a.m. Twelve Diet Cokes a day. How's that aspartame treating your system? It's been said that your beliefs become your thoughts, and your thoughts become your words, and your words become your actions, and your actions become your habits, and your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. You hear people oftentimes in especially a little more charismatic Pentecostal-style environments, they'll talk about destiny and what is your destiny? You want to change your destiny? Change your core belief system. You get your core belief system changed and all of a sudden your thinking changes and your words change and your behavior changes and your actions change and your values change and then eventually your destiny will change. People want to change their destiny without changing their core operational belief. When I encountered Christ, can I tell you loud and clear that he radically changed the core of my belief system. Instead of seeing myself as a dirty, filthy, no good, rotten sinner, I started to realize that I was a saint. He called me holy and he called me righteous. So when I started walking in a healthy core belief system, it started radically changing who I am. And there's so many people that continue to live in the ruins and the bondage of of habits and and all of these uh, addictive behaviors. It's not going to change until you allow Christ to change your heart. Now, let me go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and jog through it with you. And today is going to be a very practical style teaching again. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 12, it says this, let him who thinks he stands, listen, 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 let him, let her who thinks they stand strong, take heed lest they fall. For no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, but with every temptation, God will make and will provide a way of escape so that you can endure whatever you're going through. And then he finishes by saying, therefore, therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, you always say, what is it therefore? And you go back and read the previous passage. He says, therefore, flee idolatry, flee less wild lovers, flee those bondage areas, flee these other types of addictive behavior patterns that you've got working. How do you flee them? To realize that God is faithful. Now, I want to give you some principles as I jog through this, and I want you to get these. I want to give you a few principal thoughts. Number one would be this. All people are capable of falling. Listen to me loud and clear. All people are capable of falling. All people are capable of destruction. I'll never forget, years ago, my phone rang. 
and it was the wife of a player. She had been listening to Dr. James Dobson, and Dobson said on his broadcast that he would never cheat on his wife. He would never be unfaithful to his wife. And so when my buddy, the baseball player, came home, his wife looked at him, repeated to him what Dobson had said, and said, can you make that same vow and commitment to me? To which he replied, I can't make that commitment to you. And she was all upset. Why can't you make that commitment to me? And she called me and explained that narrative. And she said, would you please call him and talk to him? And I said, I refuse to do so. And she said, why? I said, because what he's saying is the truth. Reality is there's nothing good that dwells within us that be in our flesh. And so what my friend realized that if he took his eyes off of Christ and started to drift into whatever, he was just as capable as falling as anyone else. And I've heard people say, I would never do that. Can I tell you something? I'm capable of doing some of the sickest things, some of the most vile things without the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of me. Dr. Howard Hendricks, one of my favorite writers, a prophet Dallas Theological Seminary, Dr. Hendricks did a study with 246 men that were in full-time ministry who had experienced moral failure within a two-year period of time. 246 pastors within a window of two years. These men were all followers of Christ. They shared a common salvation, but they all shared a common devastation. Each of these men had been involved in an extra marital affair. After interviewing each man, Dr. Hendricks noticed that there were four characteristics that all these 246 guys shared. Listen to these. Number one, none of these men were involved in any type of real, personal, authentic accountability with anyone else. They had become long rangers. They had become isolated. Can I tell you something? We refuse to play that here at the cross. I'm accountable to my staff. I'm accountable to our elders. We do life together. But do you know it's so easy to start to believe the headlines that other people write about you? And I've seen that happen with so many pastors and ministers over the years. You neglect personal accountability and authentic accountability and responsibility. And can I tell you something? You're opening yourself up for a major failure. Here's the principle. Sin will always thrive in isolation. I've had to learn that in my own journey, but as we counsel with thousands upon thousands of people, sin flourishes and thrives in isolation. So the question has to be asked, not only for those in ministry, but for us in general, who knows you? Who really knows you? And who has permission to ask you the difficult, hard questions? And when you're asked the difficult, hard questions, how do you respond Do you fragment disclosure? Do you hide? Do you lie? Do you present this image? Do you try to protect an image? What do you do when you're asked the difficult questions? Can I tell you something? We do that here. We do that with each other, but when we're sitting down one-on-one in conversations, I will ask you difficult questions at times. If you're lying, if you're posing, if you're pretending, if you're covering, We want to walk in the light. That's the only way we can really flourish in our walk with Christ. Number two, Hendricks noticed that all of these men had stopped having a daily prayer time, worship time, and word time. They were preparing sermons on Sunday, but they had stopped engaging in this personal worship and prayer. Here's the principle. 
purity is always cultivated by our pursuit of Christ. We refuse to be Christian travel agents up here trying to sell you a package to a place that we haven't been. We will struggle with you. We will struggle with you. We're just as capable of jacking it up and hijacking it as you are. We want to struggle with you. But we know the strength of what we do and who we are is all about our pursuit and our response of the pursuit of Christ in our life. Somewhere along the line, these guys had lost their first love. Revelation writes about that. You have lost your first love. And being intimate with Jesus had become something of the past. Third thing he noticed was this. Over 80% of the men became sexually involved with another woman after spending significant time with her, often in counseling sessions. I had a young lady come up this uh, last Sunday, and she said, I would love to sit down and talk to you. I said, that's not going to happen. I said, but I would love to connect you with Barb or with Kim or Amanda or April or Mickey or one of our ladies. Well, why won't you meet with me? And I said, I don't meet with ladies one-on-one. I, I, I'm not going to do that. And, and, and it's not that we don't love you, and it's not that we don't care about you, but can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? When Julie comes into my office, the door is always open. When Sammy comes into my office, the door is always open. Patrick and these guys are on the other side. My closet door that goes from my office to their office, the door is wide open. Why do you do it? I do it to protect myself, and I do it to protect the integrity of what God wants us to build here. When guys start traveling with their secretaries and different things, I, I see a lot of twisted stuff that starts to happen. Julie does not ride with me, just me and her going to lunch. It will always be Joe or Nick or Patrick or Trevor or Steve with us. Why? We do want to protect the integrity of what God's called us to. We do know the percentages of when things start opening up where people uh, and pastors fall into moral failure. Make sense? Here's something else we, Dr. Hendricks uh, found out. Each of these men were convinced of one thing. That will never happen to me. Every one of these 246 men that he interviewed said, that'll never happen to me. I'll never cheat. I'll never hijack it. I'll, I'll, I'll never turn. Here's the principle, though. If you flirt with sin, you'll eventually fall into sin. And our pride can blind us to what our true weaknesses are. Paul would say, I know that nothing good dwells within me, that be in my flesh. And you know what? I know that to be true about me, and I know that to be true about every person that I walk with, that I work with, that I talk with. Here's, here's the point. All people are capable of falling. No one is exempt. Second principle I would share would be this. Temptation at the core seeks to overtake you and capture you. We broke that down last week that Satan comes. He comes to tempt us in such a way to lure us away from the things of God. So any temptation that's coming is coming to overtake you eventually. You may pacify it in the moment. And you may fantasize about the pleasure it will give you in the moment. But I can tell you this, the, the intent of a temptation is to take you down, not just so you can pacify and it become a pet for a few hours for you. People that get into these bondages and strongholds, it started by cracking the door open. Number three, temptation, again, is common to all people. You have not been singled out. Satan just ain't picking on you. 
All of us are in the same boat, and we know that. Four, God is faithful, and God will never leave me. As a blood-bought child of the King, filled with the Holy Spirit, I can tell you this. I've got the promise of God that no matter where I am, he says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. And I think a lot of us at times when we start feeling the pressures of temptation, we feel like we're there by ourselves. Can I tell you something? We're never alone if we belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit, God in me is the hope of glory. It would be another principle. God knows what you're capable of dealing with. As I said last week, variable temptation is such a, a necessary uh, a truth that we've got to understand. Because what one struggles with, the masses may not struggle with, but you've got to know your weak areas. Get that outline. Get that handout from last week. Please go through it so you can start to itemize where you're more uh, subject to fall. Number six, God will always provide a way of escape. I don't know about you, but when I walk into a room, I know where my exits are. And when I'm in certain places, I've got to know where my exits are. I've got to know that when I'm with certain people in certain places, I'm like, I probably need to boat. I try to always stay in a neutral facility. What do you mean by that? I try not to get into those bad playgrounds where lethal things are happening. If I'm going to meet people for lunch, I can tell them, this is where I'll meet you for lunch. I don't have to go to Hooters and strip bars and other places when I have meetings. Neither do you. Neither do you. And people in the business world will oftentimes tell me, well, it's all part of playing the game and entertaining uh, your, uh, your customers and stuff. You don't have to take them there. You don't have to. There's nothing written in uh, the agreement when you signed it that you've got to go to these risque places where destruction can happen. So one of the things I've always tried to look at is where's my exits? How can I get out of here if I need to? Because in a culture that is filled with moral depravity and sin-induced pleasures, it's all around us every day. You can turn the TV off of that certain movie. You don't, have to, you don't have to pay that 12 bucks to go to that theater to watch that infected movie. You don't have to listen to that song that's all about this rap, just degrading lingo. You can turn the channel. You can turn it off. All of us can do that. So as we look at that, God will provide a way of escape. When something comes on, I'm like, I'm not listening to that. Is that arrogant? Is that legalistic? No. It's just using some spiritual common sense to say, I got to bolt. So God desires to give you victory into temptation. I want you to get this. In your notes, I've got it listed. Number one, realize that wrong desires and temptation again happens to everyone. But what you will oftentimes hear the enemy say to you is, you're so stinking twisted and screwed up. How could God love you? I remember when I first got saved, I struggled with just major lust thoughts at times. And I remember after I got saved, I'm like, I wonder if the people around me can really see what I'm thinking. And I started talking to other guys, and they're like, you thought that too? And I'm like, yeah. It was like, you, you know how twisted and jacked up and messed up you are? And I'm like, how do I overcome that? How, how, how do I get to a place where I stop listening to the lies and I stop falling into the traps that the enemy's throwing at me? Satan's going to come at us and say, you are so screwed up. God can love everybody but you, man. You don't know how bad you are and how messed up you are. Can I tell you something? That's a lie from hell. I mean, we're all, 
all in need of deliverance and a savior. I mean, the mind monsters that can hit us on any given day can absolutely infect our minds and take us down. Realize this, others have resisted temptation, so can you. Mother's Day, Shelley stood here and talked about walking in freedom and seven and a half years of being clean before the, the Lord now and just uh, really battling through those temptations and those addictions. Can I tell you something? Her testimony could be your testimony if you're dealing with addiction. She goes, seven and a half years, God's kept me clean. If she can overcome it through the shed blood of Jesus, so can you. Can I tell you something? There's people in here that have had to overcome a lot of different issues, whether it be sexual and mental and physical abuse, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornea issues. Can I tell you? God can give you victory in those areas. Don't throw the towel in and say that you're just defeated. So God empowers you to resist temptation. I want you to get this. How do you do it? This is practical 101. Don't miss this. Recognize those people and situations around you that cause you issues. I will preach this until I die. Being in the sports culture for 20 plus years of ministry, you can look at a guy who's 30 years old who's making $15 million a year and say, what do you do for a living? And he would say, I play baseball. I play football. Do you know how many 30-year-old guys get paid $15 million a year to play for a living? But I started looking at that going, all right, so they play a game. I get it. But here's the deal. You've got to know your playgrounds, your playmates, and your play toys. You've got to know what arenas mess with you, what associates jack with you, meaning friends or associates that you hang out with. And you've got to know what play toys, the appetites of the flesh that are destroying your lives. You've got to know that. Now, here's something I've learned. Here's something I've learned in ministry. And every one of these things that I'm about to share with you, I've heard. But it is so easy to make excuses and blame other people for why you're so jacked up. You hear me talking? It is so easy to blame your past and your problems on your environment and other people in your journey. Now, we've all been messed with. People have let us down. People have hurt us at times. But here's some of the excuses. I wrote down nine things, and I could probably written... 49. But for the sake of time, I'm like, so, so, so what's going on? Well, it was the other person's fault. Well, what, do you, what do you mean it was the other person's fault? Well, I, I really didn't do it. I mean, the only reason, brother, I'm looking at, I've heard this one. The only reason I'm looking at porn right now is my wife's not giving it up. Oh, so it's her problem. So she's caused you to do everything that you're doing. Do you think I've heard that argument from so many guys so many times for so many years? Really? So she downloaded that app. How about that? She is the one that makes you get on that app. She is the one that's created the images inside your mind. It's somebody else's fault. Here's the second one. Well, I, I couldn't help it. What do you mean you couldn't help it? I mean, that is totally denying any type of responsibility. I, I just couldn't help it, brother. I, I, I got ticked off, and before I knew it, uh, a few four 
letter F bombs came out of my mouth before I even knew what I was saying. So you couldn't help it. So why did you say it? Because of what they did. Can I tell you in parenting one-on-one, I've had kids look at me and say, why are you running your mouth? Because he hit me or because they did, they took my toy or whatever. Jesse Cash, me and you've had plenty of conversations looking going, don't, but don't be blaming everybody else for the reason you're doing what you're doing. Listen to me. Three, I've heard this one tons of time. Well, everybody's doing it. I remember having conversations, conversations with this family not long ago, and the daughter's dress is so inappropriate. And, and, and the conversation was, listen, give me a working definition of modesty. Because when God said, let your light shine, he talking about your headlights and tail light. You need to cover up your body a little bit. And so, you know what the girl said? Well, everybody wears what I've got on. Yes, and they are on scholarship at Hooters. You need to change your wardrobe. But how many times have I heard that argument? Everybody's doing it. Oh, here's a big one I've heard. It, it, it was just a mistake. Barb and I were sitting down counseling with a couple a few years ago. And this dude had written some of the, the most graphic X-rated text exchange with another female. And his wife happened to have his iPad and saw it all. And she was sick, disgusted. And so she calls us and asks if we could sit down and talk with them. And she goes, I'm not telling him until 15 minutes before we're leaving of what we're going to do and where we're going. I said, don't tell him. So they walk in to my house. They knock on the door and walk in. And so we sit there and I look at the guy. And I said, so exactly why are we sitting here today? Well, brother, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Mistake? The three pages of X-rated text stuff that I read was a mistake? No, you made a mistake asking another girl that's not your wife for her phone number. That was a mistake. This other stuff is vile. I made a mistake. No, you made a mistake when you didn't look behind you and the kid's bicycle was parked there and you ran off. That's a mistake. But when you willfully entertain and fantasize, man, please. I'm not a good counselor. Uh, here, here's another one. Here, here's another one I've heard a lot. Well, nobody's perfect. We're just human. I had a player tell me that in the locker room years ago. He was explaining and justifying why he had done what he'd done. And then he said this, well, you know, brother, we're just human. I said, no, we're not. If I'm a blood-bought child of the king, I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I am a child of the king. God calls me a saint. I'm not just human. I house in this tabernacle the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. The devil made me do it. Flip Wilson stuff, man, got old a long time ago, right? And you younger generation, like, who's Flip Wilson? Ask your parents, they'll help you out. Here's another one. I was pressured into it, or I didn't know it was wrong. And, and here's kind of the trump of all trumps for me. Well, I know God will forgive me. If I've heard that one once, I've heard it a thousand times. 
We were counseling with a girl here recently, Patrick and I just really in a conversation to talk through some things, and she said, well, I want to leave my husband. I want to leave. I just want to take off. I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me. (laughs) I'm like, what kind of theology is that? And a lot of people walk with their eyes wide open willfully into sin, and they use these excuses. A person who makes excuses repeatedly, I've got to look and go, do you really belong to Jesus? Because the Jesus I know hates sin. And if he lives inside of me, there's going to be a sin hater that lives inside of me. I don't want to run back to sin repeatedly. Now, this can be a memorial day weekend for you in a spiritual sense that you can drive the stake in the ground and can these excuses and to say, it's time for me to take responsibility. Because a true child of God will confess, will repent, will respond to the the goodness of God and will receive his love and forgiveness. Here's another one. Run from anything you know is wrong. Running from a tempting situation is the first step to, to walking into victory. You know, you'll hear me talk about you've got to run from, run to, and run with based on 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. But that's what he says. Flee youthful lust, pursue faith, righteousness, hope, and love with those that call on the Lord with a pure heart. So God empowers me and says, why don't you run? I'm like, okay, I'm going to run. And so I'm going to put my Nikes or Under Armors or whatever, and I'm about to get out of Dodge. Three, choose to do what's right. It's your choice. It's your choice. When I started owning my choices... Based on my core belief uh, being changed, guess what? It eliminated a lot of headaches. I couldn't blame anymore. Glorify God. Four, you know what, you know what I can do 24-7? I can pray for God's help. He is my refuge and my strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. So when I'm in the midst of a fix, I memorized this a long time ago. If you're ever in a fix, turn to Philippians 4-6. I memorized that. I was about a year into uh, my faith journey with Jesus. I was like, what does that say? It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That changed me. Here's another one. Choose friends who love God that can offer help when you're tempted. You keep hanging out with the same lost people, you're going to keep getting the same lost counsel. I mean, that, that's, I'm just, this is just simple stuff, but it's like, who, who do you... Press into for counsel and advice when you're going through a struggle. I want to go to somebody stronger. Now, I want to wrap it with this. James chapter 1, 13 through 17. Come on, stay, stay with this and apply this and, and appropriate this into your journey. Let no one say when he's being tempted that he's being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. He does not tempt anyone with evil, but, that's a big but right there, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, not darkness, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Now, jog through this more on your own over the next few days. But understand, principle one is this. God never tempts anyone. 
God allows us to go through tests. God allows us to go through trials. But God does not tempt you. He does not entice you to walk away from him. He does not lure you away from him. Understand that. God doesn't tempt anyone. Number two, realize that God is the source of every good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So if it's a good gift and a perfect gift that I know that represents the the holiness and glory of God, I'm like, that's of God. Even John would say, my sheep know my voice and they hear me and they respond to me. If I know Jesus, he's going to say, that gift right there, that's mine. That right there is of the world. That's of lust. That's a a lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's, That's not of me. The more you walk with Jesus, he'll start to show you. Three, temptations are used to deceive you. That's what this passage says. Temptations are born when we're drawn away from God. Get your eyes off of Jesus for a period of time, and you'll start being drawn to these things. Because you'll think you need that to satisfy something missing in your soul. Temptations can only lead you astray because of your own personal desires. That's what he says. Each one is tempted and enticed by his own lust. I want to I I get to something else here. Temptations, again, are to entice you. Temptation has one major goal, your ruin and destruction. Look at 14, uh, 14 through 16. He is tempted and carried away. This can be a girl thing. It can be a guy thing. This is a gender neutral thing, I know. You're tempted and you're carried away. You look. You go, wow, check that out. It can be clothing, it can be house, it can be sex, it can be whatever. It can be whatever. And so you look. Check that out. Two, you're enticed, which means not only do you look, but you look a second and third time and you start to linger. You start to kind of reside there for a little bit and you're going, wow, that is really attractive. That looks like that would be very satisfying. By your own lust, you start to think that you must have it. There's a payoff that we talked about that I'm getting as a result of it, but you look and you go, I look, I linger. Now I start to long for it and think, I got to have this. I got to have it. And like I said, it can be materialism or it can be whatever. When lust has conceived, you change and exchange the object of your affection. When lust has conceived and it starts to take root in my heart, here's what I do. I exchange the object of my affection being Christ for some less wild lover thinking that it's going to bring me some type of relief and satisfaction. That's what we do. It gives birth to sin. What are you saying? True life in Christ has now been negotiated. The quest for peace often leads to negotiated slain truth. So I negotiate what life in Christ is for the sake of having what I think I want. I've seen this happen all the time with people. It gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, what do you mean? You've lost the battle. You haven't lost the war yet, but you've lost the battle. You've given up ground to the enemy. 
Jim Logan's book, Reclaiming Surrendered Ground, is phenomenal to read it. Greg, you went out and bought multiple copies of that a few years ago, brother, I remember. But that book is so powerful to say, I've got to go back and reclaim some of this surrendered ground that I gave up. Who gives it up? We do. How? Because it is our own personal lust deep in our soul that we haven't allowed to be crucified yet. And then it says, it brings forth death. You're defeated. You're lifeless. You're living in guilt. You're living in shame. You're living in condemnation. Is that where the enemy wants you? Yes, he wants you inactive and ineffective. So, Calm through this. Please calm through this text here. It is one of the strongest ones for me. I wrote down LSD. It will cause you to hallucinate and die. Lust leads to sin, leads to death. LSD, it's lust, my lust, that leads me to sin, which means to miss the mark of God and refuse to live according to his standard of holiness. And then it brings about death. Something inside me dies every time I refuse to get my needs met apart from Christ. God goes, you don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. The shed blood of Jesus is enough. God wants to set the captive free. Back to 1 Peter chapter 5 in close. He says, now be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Close you with two principles. Be aware. Be sober. Awareness is all about being prepared. When you study, when you meditate, when you hide the word in your heart, can I tell you something? God allows that preparation to eliminate a lot of potential devastations in your life because you go, hold on, I want to honor God. He says, be aware. And then he says, be alert, which means use discernment. The more you walk with Christ, it's like, hey, hey that, that right there is going to be a bad playground. That, that, that right there has got a lot of infection. You don't want to go over there. We were playing golf the other day, and the guy goes, hey, hey, right there, poison ivy. I'm like, that ball can stay in them woods right there. I'll get another one. Discernment pops just spoke saying, stay out of that. And can I tell you something? God will show you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay, stay out of that. Stay away from that. Make sense? Is this practical enough for you? Come on, last few weeks have been practical 101 stuff, man, to really help you identify this. We're in a spiritual war. We're in a war zone. But God wants to give you victory every day. And so I recognize the temptation. I recognize the lure. I recognize this enticing thing that the enemy's throwing at me. And I have to step back and go, hold on. I've got my spiritual lens on. I desperately desire to honor God. And once I start to do that, I'm like, Lord, please help me. I'm running to you. I'm chasing after your heart. I've got to have you lead me. I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org. Or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.